This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hit me on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. We're on Instagram, Ty D. Butler. And the phone line is 800-919-3776. It's a pretty nice Saturday. Got to throw the sweater, light jacket on, 53-degree weather. But, you know, all things considered, for it to be November and, to, you know, for it to feel this good, got to be excited about that. Uh, we've got our guys Julian and we've got Chantel holding it down on the other side of the glass. Hit us up again, 800-919-3776. Baseball on the horizon, just because I, I cannot believe Yankee fans allowed Brian Cashman him trolling the way that he did this past week to to get them in their feelings. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Connor Hughes, SNY, covers the Jets and the Giants, going to join us at 5 o'clock. We'll play in or out, maybe about 4.30. Uh, get to some basketball as well. The Knicks, feels like we haven't seen them in weeks. They got that win against Wimbayama and the Spurs on Wednesday night. I had the delight to be in attendance for that game. Uh, but haven't played since then. They'll be back in action tomorrow hosting the Hornets before they head back on the road. So we'll talk some basketball. Got to get to, you know, some things LeBron said this week and last night. Uh, he continues to defy the odds. The oldest player in the league just going, all right, here's 32 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and a couple big-time baskets against a contender in Phoenix uh, to win the uh, initial in-season tournament game. So we'll talk some basketball, a whole lot to do. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Instagram and Twitter. But let's start with the New York Jets, who tomorrow we find ourselves in familiar territory pre- previewing a game where this football team is playing with their season on the line. Because if you took away anything from what we watched in that Monday night game against the Chargers, yes, this is a tremendous defense. And all you need is average quarterback play for them to not just, I mean, win games, but be a playoff team. The biggest takeaway is Zach Wilson. I mean... How short is the leash going to be tomorrow? And I'm going to ask Connor Hughes that. Because you're, you're now robbing these guys of an opportunity to make the playoffs. And you can't, if you're Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, just punt on a season and amount it to we lost our starting quarterback four games in, or four plays into the year. What do you expect us to do? No, when you have a, a 12-year run of not making the playoffs— and you're this close to that being a possibility, you have to make a decision. You have to make the right move for this team because you endanger yourself. You know, Robert Sala's got a lot of cachet, but he's not some Super Bowl-winning head coach. You put yourself in danger of losing the locker room. Now, it hasn't happened yet, and give credit to the coaching staff and give credit to the players for the maturation because, you know, they would have every right to look at what's happening on the offensive side of the ball and be disgusted and, and feel like they are being robbed of an opportunity. You understand this this sport is violent. Every single week you're putting your body out there only to watch your offense be so anemic, you might not make the playoffs, and you just grow frustrated with it. You're, you're, you're ticked off. But uh, here's, a, here's a chance for this team to once again change the narrative. And we were here going into that Week 5 matchup against the Broncos. The Jets had beating the Bills, then lost three straight games and found themselves in a situation where once again you're like, yo, if they lose this, the season's over. And any 
you know, thought of Rodgers coming back miraculously at the year's end, you can put that to rest. They're right back there tomorrow night against a, a Raiders team that, let's be honest, they were living off of the high of new coach syndrome because clearly what happened under the watch of uh, Josh McDaniels made them feel such a way that it, it was worthy of celebration. We're talking cigars and bottle popping in the locker room after they, they beat the Giants. So that was more than just winning a football game, what we saw, th- them taking down the Giants 30-6. to That was like reprieve. That was, I mean, we, we feel unleashed because that's how bad Josh McDaniels was. So for me, just as a Jet fan, you, you like that. The move came two weeks ago, and they had that giant game in between uh, in between then and, and this game that they're going to play tomorrow night because the Raiders are still the Raiders. That is not a very good football team. This is a, day, a, a game that, look, the Jets haven't been afforded the luxury to say a game they should win just because, I mean, you look back at them the last couple of weeks, it, it's not pretty. But it's one that you should certainly feel like they can win. And if you're a playoff team, this is the show it to me game. Monday night w- was horrifying. It was as dejected as I had felt watching the Jets play uh, in quite some time just because of the comedy of errors that led them to go from being in. Remember, they were in serious contention for the division crown. You watch what unfolded last week. The, the Bills losing to the Bengals on Sunday Night Football. You had the Dolphins out in Germany losing to the Chiefs. So it was all set up for them, taking the field, opportunity to get to second place in this division. You've already got the the Bills win in your pocket. You play Miami twice, and you have to feel like this defense, as great as it is, can to some degree stymie the offensive offensive attack of the Dolphins. And we know Miami doesn't play well against teams over 500. we We've seen them become exposed as frauds. They they remind me of the the Vikings of last year. Yes, the record looks good. They're winning all these games. But every time they're they're staring in the face of superior competition, they just melt. Now, shout out to them for making that a game last week from down 21 to nothing, but they still lost. So if you were a Jet fan, Coming into the game Monday night, I mean, you felt great about the opportunity that was uh, bestowed upon you. And then just like that, it was wiped away. Because once they went down 7 nothing on that special team's return for a touchdown, it already felt insurmountable. Then it's 14 nothing, and you're trying to figure out, look, it's a four-quarter game. If we give them 16 quarters, can they put up 14 points? Because this is as bad as a, of an offense as, as you will ever see. And it wasn't just Zach, because we know he was terrible. I mean, Garrett Wilson had the fumble and a drop. Look, Lazard looks disengaged, overpaid, and he is just a, an ultimate drive killer with the penalties, with the drops, with the lack of blocking. It's, so, it, it's infuriating to watch him play. Then Brees Hall had what should have been a fumble. He was able to recover. You know, in that game, he was largely unimpactful. The offensive line, a turnstile. And we see Billy Turner, who was, you know, the, the, the biggest weakness. He's now hurt. And Hackett does deserve criticism because you can't watch what happened last year in Denver, what we've seen through the first nine weeks of the season this year, and not attribute some of the blame to the offensive coordinator. That just doesn't happen. But 
sometimes I'm I'm conflicted because like how how am I to properly evaluate this guy? First of all, he came here thinking Aaron Rodgers was going to be his starting quarterback. Now he's had to on the fly rewrite the playbook for a guy who just last year this organization was telling you wasn't good enough to play. So he's got that, you know, as, as the circumstance you know, ahead of him. Trying to create a, a playbook. It's funny to listen to people say, well, you've got to create one that's conducive to Zach Wilson's skill sets. Well, I watched Zach on the first drive of the game last week not be able to complete a third and five, you know, flat route throw to uh, forget who it was, Conklin or Uzoma. Just third and five, pitch and catch, air melded out of bounds by about 10 to 15 yards. At some point, you look at him and you say, maybe there is no playbook conducive to his skill set because he can't do it. He's just not good. And everyone watching him understands that he's not good. So that's why I struggle with, you know, the the where to blame and how much to blame Nathaniel Hackett. Zach Wilson is just not a good quarterback. He can't make the great throws. We saw a third and seven where there was nothing but field in front of him. He escapes the pressure, runs up in the pocket, has a, a first down if he runs for it, then pitches it off to a running back who gets gang tackled. Like, it makes no sense. So you're trying to overcome someone who's inaccurate, who's a bad decision maker, low IQ, can't read a defense, and I, 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 I got to criticize you because some of it has to fall on you, but I, I just don't know how much to do that when this is your quarterback. But what I can criticize when it comes to the coaching staff is, I mean, the penalties that just wreck games. And it makes them look undisciplined and like an unserious football team. We're talking about 26 penalties in the last three games. A three-game stretch where all of these were of the utmost importance. You win that game against the Eagles, but you were bedeviled by penalties. The game against the Giants, I mean, it was penalty after penalty after penalty. One that allowed them to score. The Giants, who didn't trust their quarterback to throw or uh, try to complete a, a pass, got a touchdown because of a senseless penalty. And then last week, same old stories. At some point, you have to correct this because you are on national television embarrassing yourselves. It's pathetic. And I watched that game, and I'm like, okay, so this looks like a team that's unprepared, unaggressive, getting punked and overmatched by the Chargers, who, yes, the talent jumps out, you know, jumps out at you with Mack and with Bosa and, of course, Herbert, who just got the bag, and with Keenan Allen and Eckler. But we every year we see they fall short of their expectations. And some of it is coaching. I actually think Herbert's not having a great season, but just that operation is not going well. But all they needed to look like a team that now people are saying could make the playoffs was playing against a dysfunctional Jets team who can't get out their own ways. You watch these guys play after play. It's flag after flag after flag. And it's, it's, it's like excruciating pain watching this team. The simplest things they can't get done. So there's a lot of blame to go around. I I am not going to sit here and defend Zach Wilson, but what I will say is in acknowledging the nuances of it, 
all the drop passes, the, the pass protection, and you know the coaching. And I also get annoyed when I hear people talk about the fact that, uh, well, they're not running the ball enough. As if we're, we're breaking any news, writing and coming on radio saying, well, you know what? The Jets have to win football games a different way. They're not like every other team. What they have to do is establish the run, win with ground and pound, and with their defense. So Okay, so you're saying that from your couch watching the game. You don't think opposing defensive coordinators understand that that's what the Jets want to do? You think the Jets, in all of their wisdom, or maybe they don't have any, but you think that their, their, their blueprint for winning games, like what's most optimal, is having Zach throw the football 49 times? Of course not. But because they're so limited offensively, you're not going to allow a home run hitter like Brees Hall beat you. You're not going to allow Dalvin Cook to get it going. You are going to say, Zach Wilson, come beat us. And for the first three years of his career, we have not seen him be able to do that. So, yes, you would love for Brees Hall to get more runs. But 16 carries for 50 yards last week? I mean, what are you doing with that? Okay, so first and 10, you run the ball. He gets tackled for a three-yard loss. Now it's second and 13, an obvious passing situation. No, stay committed to the run. Okay, he runs for two yards. It's third and 11. You're going to run the ball again there? At some point, if your quarterback can't complete passes and pick up third downs and move the chains, teams are not going to honor your running game. This, this league now is about establishing the pass. That's going to open the running game up for you, especially against a Chargers unit that we know was good against the run. So I hear the criticism about they need to be more balanced. But part of that balance is getting your quarterback to on a third and five flat route where you have your tight end wide open, not airmail it 10 to 15 yards. But with all that said, with everything that has gone wrong, they've got an opportunity tomorrow to get right back into the playoff picture. You beat the Raiders, you're five and four through nine games at the start of the season. Would you have taken that? Of course. Now, how it's looked, bit of a different story. But you take five and four. However, the flip side to that is this. You lose and it's over. It's over. Because now everything's on the table. Not to be dramatic, but where are the wins coming from if you're not beating the Raiders tomorrow? Because you should have lost that game to the Giants. And now you lose to a bad Raiders team that was so dysfunctional it got rid of its head coach. So that would be three. That would be three. You you would make the case that they should be on the three game losing streak if they lose this one tomorrow. The Giants, who the second half didn't have have a quarterback who could play, the Chargers, who did nothing on offense but somehow still beat you by three scores, and then the Raiders tomorrow, another bad football team. So you start to look at it and you say, yeah, it's over, and I can't find the next win. Because after that, it's Buffalo, it's Miami, it's the Falcons, the Texans. C.J. Stroud looks amazing, by the way. Got the Dolphins again, the Commanders all of a sudden. Eric Bieniemy has Sam Howe, you know, cooking up defenses. The Browns, that defense, if not the best in football, certainly a top three defense. 
And we'll see what happens if, you know, Deshaun Watson could ever figure it out. But they'll be right in the thick of the playoff picture. That North is just insane. Then you end the season against an organization that you've lost to 15 straight times in the Patriots. So that's what that's the magnitude of this game tomorrow. That is the gravity of the moment that will take place on Sunday Night Football when the Jets visit the Raiders in Las Vegas. A game, of course, you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. I'm feeling... I'm feeling hyped. It's it's anxious. It's, you know, cautious optimism. Anything can happen. But it's week 10 in the NFL. It's flying by. And I'm here to talk to you about it. 800-919-3776. Get at me on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, Instagram as well. We're going until 7 o'clock tonight right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's hit Danny in Long Island, bat and lead off today. What's up, Danny? Uh, poor time, my friend. You're a tormented soul. Yeah, man. Uh, You've it, been it, with that illness of being a Jet fan. I can only hope and pray that at some point you're looking down at your two beautiful children and you say, you know what? Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> funny, Danny. Something. It, Something you know, it's, fu- it's funny, Danny, because I'm in my living room two weeks ago watching that debacle. Uh, they're calling it a football game between the Giants and Jets. I'm still not sure that that's what we can uh, define it as. Yeah, and my two-year-old, my two-year-old comes into the living room as I'm like prancing around. He's like, he's he's screaming at me, "Go Jets, go Jets!" So I'm like, "Oh man, that's the first bad mistake I made as a parent." Horrible! You've you've, you've given him a life of misery. Oh, uh, my grandmother did that with me with the Mets, but I'm so glad I was watching when Franco scooped the ball off the turf, and I'm a Steeler fan for life since then. But anyway, let's get back to base. You know, I'm I'm so done with listening to, you know. Zach Wilson, it's, it, it's over now. But even like after they beat, they barely beat the the Giants, and he managed to throw two completions near the end of the game. We'll be like, you see, you see, he shows he shows signs. But you know, I'm looking at on the sidelines that day, and they show you Rogers, and we are we all don't know what went on behind the scenes. How many strings Rogers pulled? We know they brought in all these wide receivers, everything yeah. that he wanted. Now, mm-hmm. did he want did he want Zach Wilson as the backup quarterback? Because that man has cost him a chance at one of the great stories in New York football and football history. If if they had Heineke or one of these real backup quarterbacks and they were five and three right now and they could somehow sneak in at the seventh seed, maybe Rogers comes back in week 14, week 15 with the AFC like it is. I mean, I don't trust any of these teams. I mean, it's a great point. going to go on a tan now, but just if they they just get in it, they're as good as anybody else with Rogers. It's a great point, Danny. Not to have a backup quarterback has cost Aaron Rodgers a, a, a piece of immortality. And, you know? and you'll phrase it as like his own arrogance, his own belief that, and yes, they had a relationship prior to him coming to the Jets, but the belief that, you know, I can take this guy under my wing. And maybe he had an insecurity because of how the uh, Jordan Love situation played out and he wasn't exactly like the mentor that he wanted to be. Uh, so maybe that's, you know, why why it went down this way. But you're right, man. Like, I, How is Dobbs out there at the trade deadline available for a six-round pick? And you couldn't find a way to get him on your roster? Let me tell you about Joshua Dobbs. Obviously, it was a six-round pick, I believe, for the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger called him the smartest man in the room. Even when he was third string and wasn't wearing a uniform at the, during the game, he would be on the sidelines with the microphone. He'd be, he'd be explaining to Ben. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was a lot of things. A deep thinker he wasn't. So it was like, it was like having Einstein try to explain nuclear physics to me. But he, he understood the play. So this, the game of quarterback, I always believe – it's played above the shoulders. They mm-hmm. can all make throws. Yep. It's about vision. It's about reacting. It's about 
and Dobbs has that. And you have to think, like, man, what happens if he would have got drafted by the New England Patriots or some real team? You know, like, football really does that, where if I'm Aaron Judge, I don't care who I'm getting drafted by. I'm going to the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But with professional football, if you if you get drafted by the wrong team— Yeah, the system matters, you know, man. You're going to get killed, and your career yeah. is going to stink. Yep, that... But I wish you luck. Please take it with a grain of salt, because you have many, many miserable— October's and November's ahead. I, and I root for the Jets. I really do. If the Jets aren't playing my Steelers, I'm a New York sports fan. I would love to see the Jets finally win. But, man, oh, man, is it brutal it's to watch brutal. this Appreciate the call. Appreciate the call, Danny. Yeah, we got the Giants tomorrow playing the Cowboys. And we'll get into that story. Mama's boy, uh, Tommy DeVito, getting his first career start. Ten NFL rookies getting uh, starts this year. And that is a record. But we'll talk about the Giants coming up. 17 and a half points. I don't know why I like the Giants in this game. Somebody's going to have to talk to me, uh, talk me out of it. Jay, let's hit Jay in Queens. What's up, Jay? What's going on, Ty? How you doing? I'm doing all right, man. Talk to me. What's up? Um, I want to talk to you about, first off, I'm sorry. I'm on the Long Island Railroad right now. But um, I want to talk to you about Nathaniel Hackett, man. For me, all this is all about coaching. You know, I saw a statistic uh, Monday, uh, Sunday or Monday night, whenever the game was, that said the Jets had been outscored 61-12. to 12. You talk about all the penalties. You talk about having uh, the wide receivers with most drops on one team. How is this not all screaming, coaching, coaching, coaching? The penalties, yes. Yeah, the penalties, yes. Uh, can I put drops on Nathaniel Hackett? Like, I, what is that? Like, That's on the player. At some point, the players have to be held responsible for their shortcomings as well, right? For sure, for sure. But I'll also say one thing. You know, you see a bunch of other guys, other coaches doing more with whatever they have. Mm-hmm. How is it that there's, there's there's no creativity? I even called the radio the other day and I said, run the annexation of, of Puerto Rico, which is the play from the Little Giants. Like, do something. Run the Wildcat. Don't, you know, w- w- what's the definition of insanity, Ty? No, I get it, Jay, and I appreciate the call. My, my problem with that is just, look, the penalties, yes, that's on coaching. I just, I, I watch him miss easy throws. Like a guy in the flat on third and five, and you, you, you're you overthrowing him by 10 yards. That, to me, is not on coaching. And now I look at that situation and I say, I don't care how great of a coach you are. We can't fix that. Like, we, we saw this same with LaFleur last year where we blamed him. Now this year we're blaming Hackett. We, we've arrived at the answer, and it's that Zach Wilson <laughs> stinks. That's that's what it is. Let's go to uh, Anthony in Harlem. What's up, Anthony? What's going on? How you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. What's up? Uh, listen, with this team, look, yeah, it's like they take turns on offense, right? Like, I wanted. I said I was watching the game last week. I said, "Can we just see a clean drive without a penalty, yeah. a drop, a missed block, a, a, a missed throw by the quarterback?" It's like it's unbelievable. And I have to like. I know you say penalties are coaching, but technique and execution is coaching. The, the thing I like to say about football, I always tell everyone is, in college football every year, the military academies, right, Air Force, Army, Navy, are always least penalized and have the least drops. That doesn't mean that those kids have better hands than other schools. It's that they have discipline and they're held accountable by the coaches. This coaching staff, man, Robert Sala, I'm real worried about him as a Jets fan, dude. Like, he looks like a glorified coordinator to me. Like, he should be spending all his time with that offense and Hackett and saying, we have to get these guys to be accountable 
for all these errors, man, these physical and mental errors. He's getting old, dude. Like, I don't know what he is, but I'm worried he's not the guy. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. Coming into the season, I appreciate the call. What was he, 11 and 26 as a head coach? Now, part of that was first year, no talent. They go 4 and 13. But last season, seven fourths of dropping six straight games, and you know the locker room's going nuts with the Mike White T-shirts, and there's a clear divide that has to fall on him. This year, you love the fact that this defense is as good as advertised. I mean, they're elite. They're not the '85 Bears. I always thought that was a ridiculous comment, but they're special. It's a special group, and when that is his calling card, when that's his specialty, just like with Dable last year in the offense. Um, being able to maximize the talent that you had on that side of the ball, we have to give him credit for. But I'm with you. I I, I can't say today I'm sold on him as a head coach. I can't I can't say that. It's just again, like there are certain circumstances where I just don't know if I can put it all on you, similar to Hackett. Like if Zach Wilson right now, uh, again, I asked this question earlier. If he were released, is there a single football team looking to pick him up? As a starter, we know the answer is no. So he's not a starter in this league. The Jets last year told you that when he benched him three times. And the only reason why he was a backup was because of their own ineptitude. For whatever reason, they decided it was a good idea behind Rodgers at 39 to have this guy be one play or four plays away from coming in to try to salvage your season. That was a joke. But when when you're getting this performance from that quarterback position, it, it's more than just coaching. Everyone has to be held accountable. Everyone. 800-919-3776. The phone calls are coming in, and I see guys want to talk baseball. We will get to that in hour number two, so if you're on hold, stay there. Uh, we will continue to talk about the Jets, get to the Giants as well. Mamba's boy starting for Big Blue tomorrow against the Cowboys. 17 and a half point underdogs. I'm rooting for Tom and DeVito. We'll get to that coming up. 800-919-3776. Hit me on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. We're on Instagram. Going until 7 o'clock right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get back to the phone calls, real quick, I did want to mention this. The Giants are playing the Cowboys to, tomorrow, and I'm curious because, like, the tank is in full effect. The Giants don't have a, an actual quarterback controversy. Uh, this idea of, well, what do you do if you end up with a high draft pick and a quarterback is sitting there? It's obvious. The answer is you draft him, and you'll have your pick of the litter just because you don't anticipate that the Giants right now is presently constructed. They're going to win a lot of football games. In fact, it's on the table. They don't win a, a single game the rest of the way. And right now they would have the third pick in the draft if, if, if it were held today since the Bears beat the Panthers this past week. You got uh, the Cardinals. If they win tomorrow over the Falcons, Kyler Murray's back, and a loss by the Giants would move them up to second based on the weaker strength of schedule. And then you take a look at uh, the old Tankathon and all the teams in the top 10, a lot of them looking for a quarterback. The Bears, they'll have the number one pick if it were held today, courtesy of, of the Panthers. They're looking for a quarterback. The Cardinals will be looking to move on from Kyler Murray, you would assume. They'd be looking for a quarterback. The Patriots, Mac Jones ain't the answer, so they're in the quarterback uh, business. Chicago again at number five. You got the Rams, Stafford for the second straight season hurt. 
Jordan Love with the Packers, the GM already told you, or I guess we're seeing reports, uh, that they're not sold on Jordan Love, and how could you? All he does is turn the ball over. Baker Mayfield has actually played okay for the Bucs, but he's not their long-term answer. You've got Denver at 9. Russell Wilson signed that lucrative extension, but I guess there's still a way cap-wise they can figure out how to cut him and it not be as bad as we would have assumed. They're in four quarterback, and then the Titans at 10 You know, have Will Levis. So uh, it's a quarterback-hungry draft with a lot of prospects on the table. So the Giants, it would be in their best interest to lose as many games as possible. But I do wonder, man, if you're a Giants fan and you've got the Cowboys sitting right there for you tomorrow, this would be, I mean, obviously one of the biggest upsets we've ever seen. 17.5-point dogs. The Giants are going nowhere. The Cowboys fashion themselves as a contender. They're also coming off of the type of loss that hurts against the defending champion, uh, NFC NFC defending champion Eagles in your division, so you could probably kiss goodbye the division crown. That's a loss that hurts because you had it. It was right there for the taking, and you just did not take advantage of it. But Dallas losing this game tomorrow, I mean, it's it's the type of loss that could potentially wreck their season because this is as close to an unlosable game as you'll get in the NFL, as indicated by the spread. And yes, we see upsets. We we've seen a lot of upsets this year, right? Like the 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 Steelers. I, I get they're five and three now, but back when they beat the Ravens, that was a big upset. Week six, you had that the Browns with PJ Walker beat the Niners. Uh, you had the the Eagles losing to the Jets. Remember the Patriots, courtesy of Mac Jones's game winning drive, beating the Buffalo Bills. The Broncos beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs in that game scored, what, nine points? And it was one of the worst games we'd see Mahomes play. The Giants, like it, it's on the table that upsets happen. The Cowboys already had their upset happen early in the season when they lost, what was that, week three to the Cardinals. But I don't know, man. If you're a Giants fan, the best play is to lose. But if I told you they win this game tomorrow, like, would you take it? Short term, it's... It, 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 satisfies you because it's Dallas, it's a hated rival. They embarrassed you on Monday on Sunday night football to start the season, blanked you forty nothing. And remember that that was a game where the Giants were all healthy. So now imagine an, an injury riddled Giants team against the Cowboys coming off of a loss. This should be a bloodbath. Dax beating them eleven straight times. Tommy DeVito, I keep calling him Mama's boy because uh, Jordan Renan had the feature story on him today. And people had fun with it. He's living at homes with with his parents. He's a Jersey kid. Just doesn't make... I mean, it's financially savvy for him to do that. Why would you spend money when you could just... He said it's a 12-minute commute to to practice into these games. So why would you go out there and, and spend extra money? Especially when you've got a contract. It's not all guaranteed. And you are just... Uh, a third-string quarterback, trying to make the most of this situation. So that's why I keep calling him a mama's boy. It was a great story. Go check it out, Jordan Renan. But <laughs> it is funny to see people making fun of him because I wonder, like, is that a turnoff? Like him, he says in the story, like, his mom still makes his bed. And she makes him dinner every night. She does all of his laundry. How do we feel about that, Julian? Chantel, Chantel I guess, would be better to ask that question just because— no, she's a woman. Is that like something you're looking at? 
Julian at Chantel is on the phone. Julian, what do you think about his mom still making his bed, making his dinner every night, doing his laundry? Um, is that make fun ofable to make up a phrase? I don't know if it's make fun ofable. I'll say it's a bit much. <laughs> like you make whatever how much he makes, and you're like, oh, my mom would still make my bed. Like <laughs> it's a little Angie lists some form of like a uh, service is available. Like do a nice thing. Yeah, like I, I get living at home, but do we need the whole? My mom still makes my bed. Chantel, is that like? We we completely turned off by a guy who's got his mom still making his bed and making dinner every night and folding his underwear. Yeah, definitely um, a turn off. <laughs> Zero out of ten. Don't recommend. It's too much. But I'm rooting for the kid tomorrow. I'm I'm rooting for him again. Seventeen and a half point dog. This would be an unbelievable story. It's not gonna happen. Dallas has too much to play off. They are an excellent team, especially during the regular season. I, I, I just wonder, just giant fans, are you 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 rooting for to get just to get this one? If I told you you could win this game tomorrow, like you would, would you take it, even though it's going to alter your, you know, your your draft capital? I I would think that you can't take it because it's not worth it. You're going nowhere. You you have a quarterback who's now out for the season, so you can draft his replacement. Bring him on slowly, marry him to Brian Dable, who we know can get the most out of a quarterback, can help mold him and become the best version of himself. So I would think that that's the, the best way you're going, but you can't just sit there and root for your team to lose to Dallas. That ain't happening. Let's hit Alex in New Jersey. What's up, Alex? Hey, how you doing? Doing well, man. What's going on? Well, you know, I have really had it with Zach Wilson. I, I don't think... It, it was right for, for Joey Douglas to even take him second overall. You could have just traded that second overall pick and maybe given Darnold two more years. Because <laughs> no. Zach Wilson. Did you watch? Cannot, that? There was no way you were giving Darnold two more years. There is not a single I mean, he person. He wasn't as bad his first two years compared to Wilson. I mean, he showed some Yes, life. in retrospect, we can judge him against Zach and say everyone's better than Zach. But watching the way Darnold's career played out, there was a 0% chance you were going to allow him to continue to be the quarterback of this football team. But I like what you said, though, If you weren't so, because if you go back and look at that draft, if you weren't drafting one and you drafted a quarterback, everyone missed. Trey Lance, that was a bust. Uh, Justin Fields, that was a bust. So everyone missed on the quarterbacks they were looking to take, except for the Jags who got Trevor Lawrence. I know, but, you know, Darnold would, would be moving this offense a lot better than Zach Wilson, and Joey Douglas should be ashamed of not even having a real backup plan in case Rodgers got hurt. I mean, I like what he's done on defense. He has not done well building an offense, even the offensive line, and I'm just praying for the love of God that Zach Wilson does decent tomorrow and this Jet team gets to 5-4. and four. And they should be lucky that they're not like 1-6 and because, you know, I think uh, Quincy Williams bailed them out in the uh, Denver game by yep. getting on Russell Wilson, returning mm-hmm. a touchdown. But I think the refs, you know, gifted the Jets, you know, because of the ball spot. And Jalen Hurts got stupid on the third and nine to throw the ball when the Jets not having any timeout. So they should be lucky. They're not what one and seven. I don't want to say uh, lucky. I appreciate the call. Lucky is is forfeiting credit uh, to to the defense. Tony Adams made a hell of a play to return that. Quincy uh, Quincy 
Williams, you just mentioned, made a hell of a play on uh, Russell Wilson. So the defense has played up to par. You can say they got lucky in the Giants game because Brian Debo lost his mind and with the best player on the field, instead of giving him one yard to win the game after he had just rushed for a buck 26, he decided to go with a kicker who we then learned was having season-ending surgery. So yes, that's the lucky win, but I'm not taking the, the, the victories over Denver and the Eagles away from them. As far as Sam Darnold is concerned, it's a terrible take. The Jets that year uh, had the second pick in the draft. Darnold was 2-10. and He had nine touchdowns, 13 interceptions. We, we all saw it unfolding. We saw that he was not going to be this franchise quarterback going forward. It's a new regime. Time to move on and, and, and give them a, a fresh look at a young guy. Now, to your point, if you weren't sold on Zach or any of the players taken after Trevor Lawrence, then you trade the pick. But the idea that Darnold should have still been the quarterback uh, is just, to me, idiocy. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls and return right here on 9870 ESPN.